everyone. I'm Carla, and that's Lauren. Hi. And this is Chirping with ABL Season 2, Episode 4. Quick disclaimer, these are our thoughts and experiences. We are not claiming to know everything. We are only speaking from own experience, and we love sharing things with you guys. So, anything to discuss from the previous podcast? I can't remember. I don't think so. I don't have a clue, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the old age. Yeah. Old age. Like, I don't remember. The brain well, is anyway. too filled with other things. <laughs> So, sorry. Brain's gone. Brain's dead. So, please feel free to communicate any topics you'd like, you know, to be dis- discussed. Or if you're interested in them, you can email us at aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through our website, www.owls, no, sorry, www.abaowls.com. Or Instagram, at aba underscore owls. Or on Facebook, at abaowls. <sighs> Your turn, Lauren. Sorry, um, something popped up on my computer. Sorry. Okay. Um, the topic for today. Okay, so Carl and I ummed and art about what we were gonna do, and then we were like, "Oh, why don't we just do another Q and A?" Because we really, really enjoyed <laughs> doing our last Q and A. Okay, and um, as you may know, maybe not, we've changed our podcast structure. Okay, so this will be our penultimate episode before we take a break and then we'll be aiming to have at least one guest sort of every five episodes so today we have another very exciting guest who's joining us okay she's a friend of ours and a colleague okay and her name is amy so amy do you want to say hi and introduce yourself a little bit about how you got into the field and you know how long you've been working in it or anything you want to share with our audience Okay, perfect. Hi everyone. Um, so I'm Amy and I'm a BCBA living in Dublin, Ireland at the minute and I had the privilege of working with Lauren and Carla for a few years when we were all in <laughs> London. Yeah. Um, yeah, and ABA. All the trauma together. All that. <laughs> and, um, and I suppose I kind of grew up with ABA. I have a sister with autism and we would have had a lot of BCBAs and ABA therapists in the house and I just thought they were really cool so I decided I'd be one as well. Is it? Is that what you is that what you decided? So you saw it and you were yeah. like this is for me. Okay. Oh, I cool. just thought it was so amazing. Yeah. Mm, mm, that's amazing. Carla, how are we going to do this? Are you going to read us questions or are we just going to choose what would you, what would you like? What does Carla um, think is best? Well, Lauren knows very well about my control issues. Um <laughs> So, because we have we have some questions that Amy brought from people she knows. Cool. I have other we have other questions from other people. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking because we have our special guest, mm-hmm. how about we do one of the questions Amy brought, and then we do something else we received, and then like and then see yeah, see where okay. time takes us. Okay, because cool. it's quite like it's like guys, it's re- Lauren is two hours ahead. Mm. She's ready for bed. <laughs> yeah, so. actually in my gym jams, like believe it or not. Amy had a full day at work. I mean, we're, you know, this is hard. (laughs) Well, but to be honest, my my first question is, um, it's actually my own. I'm going to do my own question, sorry. It's for Amy. So we, Lauren and I have discussed a lot on the podcast what sort of areas we like, you know, criminology, education, environment. I like OBM, like, is there a particular area in ABA you'd like to get into, Amy? Yeah, I think um, I'm probably copying you now, but OBM is um, a huge interest. I think 
Um, I've been doing a lot of um, continuous professional development. That was my yeah. Um, with um, gosh, uh, Gary Lavinia, and mm-hmm. it's been really interesting, okay. and it's actually been so good. Um, for basically motivating staff. And I think that seems to be the key a lot of the time where we fall down. We have all these great mm-hmm. ideas for our clients and then maybe not so much our staff. And we need yeah, to take yeah. care of them as well and motivating them too. Yeah. So yeah, OBM is definitely really interesting and really important, I think, regardless of what you want to do in a yeah. Do you want to, can you send me, sorry, I was going to ask Amy if she can send me some stuff via email because... Oh, I've been trying as well to find some Yeah, please do share. Thank you. We're, we're, always, we're always keen to share. Always share the resources. Amen. So, yeah. but, um, also, I um, a lot of the stuff is coming through to me. You know, we have to do these um, continuing education units. Um, mm. But um, a lot of them coming through at the moment are being like, oh, how do you relax as a BCBA and how do you look after yourselves? <laughs> okay. We don't. So, so I do think there is a theme here of, yeah, we want to we want to help our clients and we want our staff to be happy, but also we need to make sure that we are also, you know, filling our own cup, you know, not just pouring, 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 and making sure that we are mm. looking after ourselves enough, you know, in terms of mental health or whatever, so that we are able to support our staff and our clients really well. So I do think there's a good theme in that sense of us thinking about ourselves too. And um, the behaviors were also showing others. When if you're running around flapping and panicking and things, you know, that's not necessarily the best behaviors to role model to others. Um, and I, no. I, just, I distinctly remember watching my um, up, higher ups doing that and thinking, oh, is that what, is that what it's like? <laughs> you just overwhelmed <laughs> with this because craziness, you, you know. Did- and do you guys remember when we worked all together? And if you left on time, that was considered a bad thing. Like there was oh, always yeah. this pressure to stay later, to lo- to work for longer hours. Yeah, yeah it's kind of, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I think um, I know in the last year or so, I've had a really good manager in work, and she's quite good at kind of being like, oh well, you know, you're rostered to this time. If you stayed on late, you need to take that time back for yourself. You need to. Yeah. And I think oh, it really good. is dependent on who you're who you're learning from. Like Lauren said, whose behaviors are you modeling? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Who do, like, who have you learned from? So if you're in an environment where everything is chaotic and everyone's running around. Um, you're going to be chaotic, you are going to run around. And then we kind of mm. wonder, yeah. wonder where behaviours of concern are popping up for clients. And you're kind of, when you take a step back and look at it, you kind of go, how can, you know, a client relax in this environment if we're exactly. running around stressed? Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. I think... No, I agree. I do think that that is so important. And you know what, like because of the nature of our work like we like to we like to solve problems we like solutions we like things to be positive mm. that um we stress so much that we're not doing enough when things aren't working and sometimes you know that's okay yeah. when things don't work it's actually okay it's part of the process um and i think you can't you know you can't always control everything and i think that's also something to try and let go of you know like oh we've done our best today and today's now finished okay tomorrow we'll start again um, mm. I think it's a more healthy mentality than, you know, not sleeping and stressing about what you're going to do tomorrow because you haven't done enough today or whatever you deem, you know, you haven't done enough of. 
so yeah i think i think there's a lot to be learned in that <laughs> just in that <laughs> um self care you know true is quite um Absolutely. quite an important <laughs> topic um so yeah i think um obm is amazing and i do think that i, I think we would always love to main mostly because of the environment we environments we've worked in so we know that we haven't been reinforced appropriately so by our own behaviors that we felt were good so i think yeah it's a it's a drive to to help people feel more reinforced and not just by money i think all right should we do the first question let's do it Okay, so this one Amy brought, and I think it's a really good one. So it's, what is different about working with children versus working with adults? Yeah, I had a really long think about this one. Um, because I think previously I would have felt like there's loads of difference. And now after working with adults for two years, nearly three, um, I'm not quite so sure. So mm. I suppose like most practitioners your end goal is the same, regardless of whether you're working with children or adults, you want to support this individual to live their life to the full potential. Um, I suppose in terms of differences, then you've got short term goals are generally different. Like where I work at the minute, we have a lot of focus on daily living skills, independent living mm-hmm. skills, and maybe within you know, if you're working with a children population, you may be focusing more on academic work. Um, what's important to adults probably it may not be important for children and vice versa um, but everything's supposed to be individualized and specific to the person you're working with whether they're an adult or a child so I mm. think in reality all clients regardless of their age end up being very different depending on what their target goals are so I don't, I, I'm not sure that you know, previously I would have said maybe we can, there's a lot more restrictions with children, um, but I'm not sure I agree with introducing as much restrictions ever anymore. So yeah, um, I'd be very much pro kind of treating everyone as if they are the most important person in the room and seeing where I go from there. Yeah. yeah and what about acknowledging people? Because... One thing that I noticed in ABA, um, and it, you know, I might be lynched for saying this, <laughs> but there's a big tendency of treating people like puzzles. And a lot of times, and I know I've talked about this with both of you separately, that you know, we need to consider another human being with feelings. And even though we they can't tell us their feelings, those are important. And I think it's easier for people to forget about that when it's children. Because there's always this thing of power over kids, like the minors, oh, you must do what I say. Uh, And with adults, you always have to consider, okay, you know, they're adults, we need to also be more mindful. Um, But I think sometimes there's a a difference in how people handle children and adults, mostly because of their age. Where with children, I think a lot of people, in my perspective, seem to want to control them more because, you know, you're a kid, you must do what I say. And sometimes they do, they have to. Um, but then how do you then remove that dependency as they grow up into being an adult? Yeah, and I you know? I think one of the examples I was kind of using today for someone was I was working in a school and they used to kind of position the table so that once the child sat at the table, they couldn't really get up from the table unless they went under it or through you and 
in hindsight, that is a restrictive practice. And there wasn't a huge amount of kind of proactive work going into, you know, making the table fun. Does the child actually need to learn this skill at the table? All of these other environmental things you can consider without using a restrictive kind of piece of work, basically. Um, because it, yeah. it really wouldn't work with an adult at all, and um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like to see it used with children either. So, yeah, you know yeah. what? I, I think, um, I think people also feel maybe when they work with kids that you have more time. So there's, they, there's this less lessened pressure of being like, oh well, one mm-hmm. day they'll learn it or whatever. And mm-hmm. if I have yeah. to go back in time, if I could like go back, I would you know, use every ounce of seconds we could teaching the most. And I think, I mean, I'm talking like real life skills, not sitting at a table being able to identify cards or pictures of objects or whatever. I feel like there should have been more emphasis on we've got this amazing amount of resource, human resources to teach. Why are we wasting our time with some of this stuff? Um, Let's work on real waiting and real told no's and, you know, like these kinds of things. So that we can have more robust, independent, um, you know, sort of self-sufficient or self-managing people, uh, clients, you know. I think, yeah, I think there was this, I don't know, lackadaisical kind of thing of being like, oh, well, you know, he's 10 and we're still tickling him or whatever. Or he's 14 and we're still, and I just like, you know, I think looking to the future is so important and, and scaling it back as opposed to, oh, now they're an adult. Now we need to worry about all this stuff. I think preparation Mm -hmm. is something that really needs to be considered. And I think bigger goals, like, you know, just bigger life skills to me is really important. Uh, I now work mostly with teenagers and adults and I think, gosh, we have no time and they have so much to learn and they're really capable young people. They have a lot of skills, but actually they don't because they don't know how to do like anything they don't know how to shop on their own they don't know how to identify prices on their own they don't know how to do any of this stuff and they're capable of that and I wish someone had done this earlier in their lives so we wouldn't have to rush through some of the stuff now basically um so yeah I think for me that's that's the one thing I really think about is that people feel like when you have kids you always have time so yeah but they do that with neurotypical children yeah a couple more I heard a couple morning at the supermarket yeah, someone was morning in the supermarket this weekend saying, yeah, I told them, you're going to be 18 soon, you need to get to grips, you're going into real life now. And I'm just thinking, but did you prepare them for that? Yeah, like, is, is it really fair to make them dependent? And then when they're 18, oh, bam, now you need to get with life. Like, well, did you prepare them? Or are you just, you know, saying, it's not, it doesn't, even with neurotypical people, it doesn't happen Overnight. In South Africa, they have this thing. They have this thing where they're like, oh, well, life will give you a clap. You know, life will give you this, like, slap (laughs) in the face. And it's like, well, not, that's actually unfair on the person because if you haven't prepared them or or even tried to teach them anything, and yeah, neurotypical, special needs, learning difficulties, however you want to, whatever community you're looking at. But it's like, but it's, you're the parent. This is actually part of parenting it's not waiting for the world to to sort them out it's like you know it's actually about you raising and nurturing and teaching and you know caring for so yeah I get that too and then people get annoyed with this person for not you know picking up the skills naturally or whatever 
And I'm like, well, no one's ever bothered to give this child the opportunity or have any expectation of this person or child. So actually, it's rather unfair on them to just now suddenly expect them to just click your fingers and they're going to get it. So yeah, I have a bit of a gripe with that kind of thing too, Carla. I'm with you. I think that's, it's not right. Amy, do you want to add anything? Yeah, I was just going to say, I always wonder what people mean when they say, oh, now you're going to live in the real world. It's like, was, was your child not already in the real world? Where, where were yeah, they? Yeah, exactly. Like, what, what kind of... Like, yeah. Are they in a cloud? What's happening? And if, and, if, and if they weren't, and if they weren't, why not? What were you doing the whole yeah. time? Are you also in fantasy land? I mean, What's so- happening? <laughs> someone, someone told me, I heard someone say recently that, oh yeah, nowadays women can't cook and I was just like what do you mean um and it's just someone I I know that is a man and he I don't know where he got that from but but I said well I can cook and they were like oh can your mom cook yes and your grandmother yes and my dad and everyone in my family cooks what do you mean I was just like what do you mean what do you mean by anyway that's a whole other tangent Uh, should we move on to next question Because that one will be a new like the, to- the topic of the podcast is changing rapidly. <laughs> yeah, it often does. Don't worry, Amy. Welcome to the club. Oh, my days, yeah. All right, so the second question I'm going to pick, because I thought that was a, a very pertinent question, is from a lady called Carmen. And she asked us, is there a set age range for ABA? And at what age will it be the most efficient or effective? So, yeah, so she, because this is a person who doesn't know a lot about ABA, mm-hmm. and she was just wondering, and I, I thought, to be honest, I think it's a fair point when you're not in yeah. the ABA field. I yeah, think I think it's a good one. Yeah, I think there's always a bit of um, a disconnect as to what ABA actually is, and the yeah. reality is mm-hmm. it's, it's a science, and it applies to everyone, so even, yeah. you know, behavior, behavior as support... If I go down the road today and decide to cross the dark street in an all-black outfit, which I'm wearing, and a car beeps at me, chances are, or hopefully, is that I'll learn not to do that again. Mm. Yeah. Um, I know they say, like, there was a big thing about ABA, you know, you have to get in there two, three, four. Uh, I don't know how you guys feel, but I know from working with the adults that I've worked with, I mean, they learn so many skills just as easily it's just in a different way mm. so I don't I don't think there's a sell-by date for skills or anything I think it's not about you know there's a very big notion of getting early because it's true like when you're younger you absorb things faster Definitely. and better however I think the main thing with ABA is consistency and I think me and Lauren have spoken about it a lot of in the on the podcast the point of exhaustion where you know, it's a fair question if there's mm. an age range, which I don't think there is. I think ABA is at any time. And as it to the age it'll be most efficient or effective, it, it's it's not even though they say the earlier you start, the better. It's true. But that's more about the earlier you start, the more the people are the earlier the people around that person will actually change their behaviors to support the child. Mm. Whereas when you start with, you know, when someone's been having um, let's say behaviors when until they're teenagers and the people around them are used to that once if you change if you try to change the behavior of the people around the, the learner at the age of 14 I think it's going to be harder 
for the adults in the person's life, the mm. learner's life, to adapt than the child. It's it's to like be you're, honest. you're training the system around people. Yeah. So you need yeah. to train everyone. So yeah, I'd agree with that. And I, I actually I think also, that yeah, go people, for it. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say like um. I think the people around the learner usually need more ABA than the learner. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I have to found that. I think... I'm, I'm, I'm hoping no one from work listens to this, but I have found that to be 100% <laughs> the case. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- this is what people say to me. Oh, gosh, your job must be so hard. I'm like, the kids are a dream. It's the staff that are an issue. <laughs> it's like, you know, because I actually have fun with the kids. Like, I can have loads of fun. And if I could just be everybody's therapist or tutor or whatever you want to call it, I would. It's like it, for me, it's not difficult. But getting other people to buy what you're selling—that's what's hard. Um, mm. And I think also, I mean, I I think the question is a good question because yes, you'd always want to get in earlier because then there's less learning history or repertoires of behavior that last 10, 15, 20 yeah, years. Exactly. Okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And also you're bigger and you're scarier and your behavior has resulted in what you want, plenty. Okay, so yes, littler is easier. But that being said, you know, I have had older kids who I've seen massive progress with just by enriching a teaching yeah. environment or having a positive teaching environment. You know, the confidence blooms, you have a completely different child or young person or adult or, or however you want to see them, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think, and and the thing is, that that's what's so interesting also, as Amy said, it's a science, but also it's behavior. E- you know, everybody behaves this is why when yeah. when I describe it to people, they're like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, it's really not. It's actually really simple. And um, when you explain it to people, they really get it. But using it in practice is the hard bit. Because I think yeah. people think that humans are really complex. We're like this really complicated, like really complex, you know, being and actually we're quite simple and once you peer back and you take away all the like what you think is complicated and you strip it down it's actually really simple um and if you can get it if you get it it's like the penny drops it just clicks you get it and if you don't you just don't and you know that's why it's hard working with other people because they complicate things more than they need it to be um and there's a lot of like, well, he said this to me. And I'm like, well, it's actually not about you. It's about this. And let's just keep going with that. And don't worry about whatever's happening over here. Um, and also, I always say to people, refer to yourself. Think about yourself, you know. You yeah, don't want oh, someone yeah. shouting drills at you for 45 minutes, okay, when you don't understand what they're saying without helping them. Like, you wouldn't like that. So why would you expect someone else to tolerate that? So, you know, like you've got to think about people are humans. Let's think about them as humans and let's treat them as we would want to be treated because, you know, that's where the disconnect happens as well. It's like, well, he, you know, he did this and he did that. And it's like, well, it's actually not really about that. It's about like the fact that we're trying to, we're trying to help this person. And if we're trying to help them, we really need to actually help them and not just talk about helping them. You know, there's a, there's a difference. All right. Should we move on to the next question? Yeah. Okay, so this one is from Amy's uh, contacts, and I think this one is too good as well, which I think I'm going to choose. How does being a sibling impact your role? Oh, <laughs> I think it has pros and cons. Um, mm. I 
pros side, I definitely find it easier to um, empathise and relate to families or mm. caregivers. Um, I think I always, you know, people, I, I remember people get quite frustrated and be like, oh, well, you know, they're not following it at home. And there was part of me always going, oh, well, at home, like, home is your safe space. And of course, people yeah. Wanna, people, people want to relax when they get home. And um, I always kind of found parents or caregivers would go, I'm really sorry, Amy, I haven't done it. I haven't done what you've asked. I haven't been able to get that for you. And I'd be like, it's okay. This is your house. This is your home. Yeah. And I, I completely get it. Um, I think it's a pro and a con. The sense of responsibility sometimes is quite heavy because I'm always trying to think a little bit what does everyone else in here think? Like, are the family happy with it? Are the staff implementing happy with this? Is the individual, most importantly, the individual happy with this? How would I want to be treated? How would I want my sister to be treated? So I think it's definitely helped my practice in that I'm very aware of what does this person want. If they're in a position, I'll always get their input for their behaviour support plan. I was actually up today chatting to someone about their behaviour support plan and it was really fun and interesting to get their feedback and what they think of uh, my plans <laughs> uh, for them. But I, I think it's helped me be as person-centred as I possibly can. But I think most of our profession, like people who get into social care work or education or behaviour analysis or psychology or whichever it might be, most of us are caring and that's why you get into the profession in the first place. So hopefully everyone's always working to get the best outcomes for their clients anyway so I don't know if that is a unique selling point for me or not or not <laughs> I don't think it is <laughs> but um yeah it's, I think it helps keep the focus on the person and it definitely helps with mm -hmm. families when families are distressed um I think I definitely know how they feel a lot of ability to empathize with them yeah but like, and that's important, yeah, I think. Yeah, and like I said, that can be a pro and a con because sometimes you come home from yeah. come home from work in the evening with the weight of the world on your shoulders. So it's um not the kind of job you get to turn off very often. No, it's oh, definitely more true. vocation <laughs> than true. than just work, isn't it? It's more like mm. I don't want to say a calling. It yeah. sounds so cheesy, but like you know, it is. You get it, or you just it like is. I'm saying, you get it, or you don't. You know, and and mm. you can tell when people yeah. get into the work and just kind of fall into it, and they they're kind of you know they're okay with it. They kind of they're like, oh, this is fun. And then you get people who you see there's like passion, like they want to be really good yeah. and they want their clients to do really well. And I think, you know, that is something that I relate to with some behavior analysts and I, sometimes I don't um, because I would always talk about the kids. Like that was what I, I just loved spending time with the kids. So for mm. me and, and adults, I mean, you know, um, but and I remember when people were like, gosh, you talk about them a lot. <laughs> I was like. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I adore them. This is the reason I come to work, you know. And, um, yeah, I think it's really interesting yeah. when you meet people who don't have that. Um, yeah, because I yeah. can't relate to them very well. <laughs> it's funny when you realize how much you talk about your um, profession 
And then yeah. kind of, I, I always kind of go, oh God, maybe I should stop talking and ask this person <laughs> about their profession. And they're literally like, yeah, I mean, I like it. <laughs> Just go. Yeah. And, and then, then you kind of realize, no, no. maybe I love my job. <laughs> yeah. Nuno has now, Nuno has now learned ABA terms. And he's, he, once in a while, he asks me to teach him Makato. <laughs> so, he now understands basic like concepts of ABA and mm. and even when I was studying for my exam he would sometimes quiz me uh, even though he didn't understand everything he was asking but <laughs> <laughs> but he you know he throughout the years he he learned some stuff yeah but I mean to be fair like if you this is the key it's like so I have sometimes I have um, parents of some of my clients asking me like real world advice about their other kids and I'm like. Um, I'm not sure I'm qualified to answer these questions. I can tell you what I think in terms of behavior analysis and what I think will work, but I don't really know what will work for all your kids. But again, if you understand behavior and you understand why people are doing things, it's so powerful. I think it would support a lot of people in a lot of fields. Absolutely. And if you can relate to people, just just going back to OBM, like human resources are the most important part of businesses. It's the reason businesses function. Okay. The fact that people don't get that that's the most important part is really frightening. It's like, but if your staff are unhappy, you're not going to have a good business. So by default, you should be supporting your staff. <laughs> it's like, I don't really understand why people mess that up. I, I don't really get it. But yeah, that's just me. All right, should we do one more question? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think we'll have time for all the questions, and I think because we're on a topic here, so I <laughs> thought this question would be good. So, last one. What skills do you think are most important to focus on for teenagers or young adults? And personally, like, I, for me, and I'm going to start this one if you guys online. Yeah, go for it. Um, so... Every time I've had clients who've had, you know, EHCP meetings or annual meetings and everyone's focusing on, like when they're nine or eight, they're focusing on, oh, they need to learn this math and they need to learn that. And part of me goes, all right, but you do realize that in a couple of years, they're teenagers and they cannot sign their names. They don't understand how to make a CV and it depends on the learner obviously like it's it's hard to choose what's most important because teenagers and adults young adults are all different um people are all different it depends on what what abilities what like you know their level of understanding etc but that being said for me the focus should be as functional as possible because realistically some of these people will never be able to live without support so it's also looking at, okay, well, how much support will they need for the rest of their lives? And how much, what can we teach that will give them some independence so they're not so dependent on someone else? So for me, thing, skills related to independence mm-hmm. would be the most important for teenagers. Like problem solving, the independence, living skills... Because, I don't know, like, we spend, when they're younger, up until they're 10 or 12, we there's so much time spent on name this, name that, name this animal. And it's great to know the na- all the animals and the flowers and blah, blah, blah. But for me, it's kind of like, okay, but will they be able to, you know, if they get lost, can they read the map to get home? Can they use 
their phones to get home? Can they, mm. you know, if they're in a, you know, can they get out of that dangerous or a situation that they don't, you know, yeah. like problem solving? And I think that's for brilliant. me, that's really important for teenagers and young adults. I, I think I always love the when when I live when we all worked in London, like how many animals and like really remotely, like never someone in London would ever see realistically <laughs> the the depth <laughs> of the variety of animals. I'm like, why does this child need to know what a hippo is? Like, what is why they're not going to visit a place that has a hippo? So I find that. <laughs> hilarious but um yeah I I that's just I wanted to say about animals because I just don't get it like I'm like why why do they need to know this I always find it interesting that they needed to know all the different types of bears that there were and I didn't I mean I didn't know some of the bears I was there going oh there's how many different types or species again this? I don't know <laughs> no bears no bears in England okay <laughs> unless they're in a zoo and then in the zoo they have a placard which names them so like we don't have to it's like you know okay. I think I just feel like I just feel like those types of skills were a lot of times yeah. taught so that the kids could then have a conversation a topic of conversation but that's more about you know why like yes it is important to have a conversation but you know, they're so focused on what will benefit them when mm. they're in the... I mean, because when you go to a shop, if you don't have a talk, it's going to be about, okay, where's the flower? Where's the vegetables? You're not going to say, oh, have you seen that documentary about the bears? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, you know? it's what we... It's what people put on, like, what we think is important for them, mm. not what's actually important for them. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's True. the difference. The perspective is wrong. Yeah. We think it's so... In, yeah, we think it's so important for them to learn all of these things so they can have a conversation with someone when realistically maybe the most important conversation this person's going to have like Carla was saying earlier is maybe they need to learn how to sign their name maybe they're going to have to go down to the bank someday and open yeah. a bank yeah. account which can be quite difficult sometimes um for families and yeah. people yeah so it's yeah I think I, what I read the question and I was thinking the exact same so rather than like a particular type of skill it's what skill enables this person to be more independent mm-hmm. and I think one of the big ones for me in residential and I know I just said what skill enables the person to be more independent which can be a wide variety of things mm. but I always have this big thing about self-care like being able to yeah, yeah. Avoid I was gonna exactly washing, say the same thing yeah. shaving dressing and they're just such skills that kind of you know it really gives you like your privacy, your independence to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Or if they things. have, if, or if they have periods and Absolutely. they need to learn how to put a pad. One hundred percent. How to if you, to identify when you need pain medication or when it's too much. Like don't yeah. overtake it. Understand instructions enough not to overtake pain medication. And yeah. All the, I, I, like all those sorts of things I just think if you the the fact that you need to keep yourself as safe as possible because I'm not saying that people in mm. residential care will yeah. abuse but you're more likely to be in a situation a vulnerable situation if you aren't able to go go about these self-care things as independently as possible so that's the first thing I say to parents I'm like first of all if your young person is going to go into a residential place they need to be able to do these things because then they're less likely to be, and I don't want to say abuse is not the right word, but put in a in an uncomfortable position. 
because they can do things on their own, you know, and people aren't going to get irritated with them because they can't, you know, um, not that that's always the case. I'm just going worst case scenario here. Mm. Well, even, even recently, um, a previous colleague of mine contacted me uh, and she, she was telling she has a, a kid mainstream um, and she was saying, well, it's been a few times now he comes home soaked in urine. Mm. And he tells me it's and he tells me, Oh, it's we mommy and he's before he was go he's three and he was going to the toilet by himself and now he's at home and now he's not. Mm. And the mom has tried to speak to the school. It's a mainstream, mainstream. And they're just the, dismissing her. She's sending change of clothes, so they change him. Shame. And still it happens. That's so humiliating. And she asked me oh, my goodness. Yeah. And she asked me, like, what should I do? And I said, Do you wanna go hardcore? Yes I do fine and we typed up an email because she had all the details of the events mm. and she remembered who she gave the clothes to and he wrote an email and <laughs> the start of the email was something like you know i've received training and safeguarding i understand very well what neglect neglect looks like absolutely <laughs> i was just like do you just if you want to go hardball just go for it because i'm sorry this is a neurotypical vocal child who can, like, who's coming home with socks and underwear in urine, like, rashes, humiliating, rashes, uncomfortable, it's the winter now, and, I mean... And it is neglect, I mean... It is neglect, yeah, to describe yeah. it as... Listen, I went to a school in, in the area where one of our schools was, so we used to take one of the little girls from our school to go to a mainstream school to socialise, and I never forget this. It's imprinted in my brain. We were sitting in the classroom, and the little girl, one of the little girls in the classroom, asked to go to the loo. So it's a mainstream child in a mainstream classroom, and the teacher said no. And then she wet herself, so she was sitting in this puddle, and she what? shouted at this child, and made her stand up and go and get changed, and then come back and and I don't know who I think someone else cleaned it up. But I was like, so she you didn't honour like the appropriate <laughs> request. So she asked really nicely to go to the loo. You said no. She obviously needed to go to the toilet. She wet herself. And then you shout, like punished her in front of everybody. And I'll never forget it because the little girl I took to that school turned to look at me like, I cannot believe this is happening. And she had special needs, like, you know. And she was just shocked too. That's how bad it was. And um, I remember telling people at, at our school, I was like, I don't think it's a good idea that she goes back there because I, I don't think that teacher handled that situation very well and I don't want her to learn that that's how teachers are if she goes into a mainstream school because that's not the kind of teachers I want her to be exposed to it's not actually okay so yeah yeah well I've I yeah I've been there like and you know listeners if anyone doesn't like to hear about periods you can just skip this story uh but when I was 14 I remember being in maths class and my period came, I asked to go to the toilet, because you feel it. You know. I asked to go to the toilet, was denied. After a few minutes, I don't know how long, the blood was dripping from my stool. Because we were sitting on stools. So I tied a jumper around my waist. Oh, gosh, I got it's up. so horrible. Took... Especially when you're a teenager, like, do they not have any sympathy? Yeah. I took the stool, and I... Showed and I said, "Excuse me," and I told the teacher, "Is this enough for me to go to the toilet now?" And I threw it back, and I walked out, went to change, came back, and I started collecting my stuff. 
and no one like no one was laughing all my peers think like i was in a very good class they were very understanding they didn't say anything mm -hmm. and i had the teacher next to me shouting this is not how you behaved blah, 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 like just yeah and i ignored her completely and i said because i was going to a party later with my class i said i'll see you guys later went home and then when i came back to the party that night oh everyone was like you should have thrown that chair at her face like everyone was just so mad at her and on Monday, during our long, um, what's it called, interval, like playtime, whatever, snack time, our head of class and that teacher asked me to come and they were trying to get me to apologize to her. And I said, no, I'm not apologizing. Nothing. Sorry. Not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. I was just, no, what are you on about? You have to wonder, like, why and what has ever reinforced that teacher's behavior to refuse someone to use yeah. the bathroom? Like, yeah, what? you know what she said to me? She was like, didn't you have your period, like, two weeks ago? So she remembered, and I said, yes, but I'm 14, it's not regular yet. But also, what has that got Irrelevant. to do with <laughs> That is my personal body, like not okay. And even if it's and even if I'm lying, even if I was lying, I'm the one missing class. I'm the one missing out, so it's my problem. Yeah, that's not no, okay. I've always, I've always found it really interesting when like and it does tend to be mainstream schools and I'm hoping it's not still the case where they're saying mm. you can't go to the bathroom. And then you kind of like I'm obviously in a work environment now. And there's still times where I'm sitting in a meeting and kind of going, maybe I shouldn't. No, 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 I, I'm allowed to go. I can go whenever I want to go. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's actually really, okay. It's a, it's a human right a really to be able bizarre. to use the lavatory. <laughs> it's a really I mean, bizarre thing that teachers seem to zone in on. Not exactly. all teachers, just but, to be clear. <laughs> but in the, in the UK, I've noticed, in the UK schools, what they do is the kids just need to raise their hands to go. And they can, they can go, but they can go one at a time. So mm. it means the next one can only go when the first one comes back, which I think it's a good system of one at a time. Because then if you don't come back to class, you know someone in class might be bursting because of you. Um, yeah. But they just go. The kids you know, in the UK schools I've been to, they just raise their hands, yeah, go, and then come back. That's good oh, to gosh. hear. I've visited some school where they've got some, yeah. some serious old hags who are like no and I'm just like this poor child just needs to go to the loo it's like just let the child go to the toilet it's okay also your lessons oh, are boring so hags. maybe children want to try to escape if you made the lessons more entertaining okay thanks I think True. I think True. it's always so awful you know when you're teaching like one of the children maybe that you're working with how to appropriately request something and that they appropriately request it and it gets denied. I'm always, I, always exactly. I know. A personal, I take it as a personal insult when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> like I was telling someone yeah. last week, no, just wait a minute and then tap them on the shoulders to get their attention. And they did it and the person didn't respond to them. And I, I just know. kind of sat there oh, going, no. oh, and they, they turned around and just looked at me like, you said they would say makes you makes you wanna swear. Oh, makes so, you wanna swear. Oh it's uh, it was fun no like it was just that it turned out the person actually they tapped them so lightly they hadn't felt it. So I did have to go over and oh. show them show them no, give them a good jab. Wake them with a needle. Exactly. But yeah, no, I always I always find it um you know when you but well, like you guys were saying, when someone asked appropriately for something and you just say no, I always kind of wonder why, why, mm. why no? Yeah, 
honestly. Well, I think that's all all the that's all the questions. Um, so we're gonna close up now. Lauren, do you wanna do the? Um, yeah, I don't. No one has any then, thoughts. Yeah. Eh? No one wants to add anything else. Mm, I just I'll, I'll say mine after we like I can say mine now. Just saying thank you, Amy, for joining us, and thank you, Lauren, for recording so late. Oh, it's super NSA. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good chat. It's actually nice to to talk to like-minded folk, you know, especially when we're <laughs> divided all over the world. I mean, you girls are closer than oh, me. Oh, I know. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Amy. It's been really lovely to first of all hear your accent, which is stronger than I last heard it, which I'm pleased to hear. Is it? It's, yeah. It's, it's the return. It's the return to Dublin. It'll it'll do yeah. it Yeah, it's gorgeous. And um, see, I I yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I sound more South African now, but I don't. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, so yeah, thank you, Amy. It's really been nice to 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 have you on and um, support us. Um, people were asking me today why we're we doing this, and I was like, well, how do I describe why we're doing it? I was like, well, I think we need to talk about some things that maybe we don't get paid for, and we want to give our thoughts and our experiences to people who might not be able to afford ABA and can listen to podcasts. So yeah. Yeah. So definitely one of the main reasons we do it, we actually do do it because we enjoy it, but we also do it because we want to help people. So yeah. So yeah. Um, Thanks, guys. Please feel free to email us. Again, like Carla mentioned earlier, that's aba.owls.uk at gmail.com. Or you can message us on Instagram. That's a, um, at ABA underscore owls and if you have any particular topics you'd like us to talk about or anything burning questions you can ask us please send us some emails or messages we would really really love to hear from you and our next episode will be the first Monday of January that will be the third and the Hood Chronicles will be coming out in two weeks times on the 20th of December so rate, like and subscribe to us Chirping with ABA Owls iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you get your podcast from. And thank you again for listening. Really appreciate it. Bye. Thanks. Bye. I was oh just going to say, like, I'm Irish, and not saying the word like is. Um, yeah, it's against religion there, right? In, <laughs> listen, in Portugal as well, in Portugal it's really typical to say like a lot. We say like that, like, like. I like, don't know about South Africa. Oh. We say shame, that's our thing. We don't really yeah, like Yeah, see, that, that's and, quite nice. I like that. No, I'd be there going. Uh, I was like, and she was like, and then she said, so I said, like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. <laughs>